The planet's most watched sporting event heading to Kansas City. What happens now? A mass shooter threat shuts down summer programs in more than half a dozen local school districts three weeks after a mass school shooting in Texas. Has anything really changed around here? Mark Bedell heading out the door. Did you see that coming? And what does it mean for what was once the Metro's largest school district? And has the Kansas governor just been handed the biggest political gift of her career? Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes, and it's good to be back with you on what some are calling one of the biggest news weeks in modern Kansas City history. I'll let you be the judge of that, but here to help connect the dots and put everything into context for us is KMBC 9 political analyst Michael Mahoney, the managing editor of the Call newspaper, Eric Wesson. From KCUR News, Lisa Rodriguez, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. You know, it's official, the most watched sporting event on the planet is coming to Kansas City. Soccer's international governing body, FIFA, just announcing that Kansas City will host several games when the World Cup heads to the United States, Canada, and Mexico in 2026. Those matches will be played at Arrowhead Stadium. Some people are calling this one of the biggest news stories in modern Kansas City history. Officials in Houston said this would be the equivalent of hosting five Super Bowls in three weeks. Really, Lisa? I, yes, really. This is, it's a, a massive event. It's, you know, the World Cup generates international hysteria. So it, it is a massive, massive deal, and, and it will bring tons of people to Kansas City. That said, you know, I, I am sometimes a little wary of anything that promises millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of economic impact, because I think it'll also take Kansas City hundreds of millions of dollars to prepare. I want to get to some of that dollars and cents, but we've always been told in this community, uh, Michael Mahoney, that we simply don't have the robust public transit of other communities. We don't have the hotel rooms. Why would FIFA say yes to us for the World Cup and beat out other cities? Well, first off, transit was a major worry, OK? Kansas City does, however, now have the hotel rooms that they need need for this. The, there are a number of different reasons why Kansas City made the cut, basically as a bubble team, if you will, uh, will on this. Number one, it was the legacy of Lamar Hunt and soccer in America. He was one of the people that started soccer in the United States with the first modern professional league back in the 1960s. The Hunt family connection to soccer has continued there, not just only here in Kansas City, but throughout the United States. Number two, the uh, U.S. Soccer's training facility for the men are, is here in Kansas City. That is going to be a home base, most likely, for one of these 48 teams that are selected for the 26 uh, World Cup. Also, there is, this is a good soccer town. It's a, just a flat, good soccer town yes, from, it, yeah. from, 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 from little kids on the way up, okay? That, that was part of this. And then finally, the other uh, thing that was uh, important in this is we are in the middle of the country. Logistically, it's a good place to put part of a tournament that is going to go from coast to coast and from Canada to Mexico. And compared to some other cities, we are a great soccer town, but we are not, as, that is not the primary sport here in Kansas City, Eric. No. Do you think most people, if you ask Kansas Cityans, would they want the World Cup? or would they want a Super Bowl in Kansas City? I think the overwhelming majority would say a Super Bowl. 
Absolutely. This is a Kansas City Chiefs football town. And, uh, you know, it's congratulations to them. They did a fantastic marketing job to them. But uh, as Dave said earlier before we went on the air, you know, let's take care of home now because we don't want all these people coming to town, driving out 85th Street and have the bottom of their car feel like it's falling out from hitting all the potholes. And, of course, we still have the murder issues here as well. Well, Lisa mentioned, Dave Helling, the financial numbers in all of this. And I did see one of the figures here talking about this could be as high an impact for Kansas City as $700 million. By way of comparison, we're told the Big 12 tournament is a $20 million gain to Kansas City. So this is worth as much as 35 Big 12 tournaments in three weeks? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, those figures, as Lisa suggests and others, are always a guess, a big guess, in part because you don't know, Nick, with all of these people coming to Kansas City, how many Kansas Cityans will stay home or will take vacations that week or won't go out to dinner or won't do other things at entertainment venues. There sh should be some shifting of money, so we don't know. The value of something like this is the international exposure, of course. Uh, the, uh, it, particularly with visitors who come to this community, it puts you in every newspaper in the world. It puts you in on every sports broadcast in the world. That has a value as well. So the people who worked on this worked very, very hard to try and put a package together. One thing Mike did not mention I think we should put on the list is the new terminal. I think the new yeah, terminal absolutely. played an amazing role in trying to convince the FIFA people that, yes, we can handle the number of people flying into this community uh, with this new facility. Interestingly, before this announcement, the state of Missouri passed a law that would remove all of the sales taxes on tickets. So if you go and see that game, go and see a World Cup match right here in Kansas City, there's, we're not going to be capturing any of that sales tax. So where does all of that financial benefit come from, Lisa? I think the financial benefit comes from the sheer influx of people that will be here and that will be eating out and and buying merchandise and, and you know, <laughs> experiencing our entertainment venues. I think there's, I also think that for Kansas Cityans, when you're proud of your city, when you feel like you're on an upswing, you want to spend more money. And so I think that that's, that's where the economic benefit will come from. Will we get fewer people here, though, if, if one of the main matches is Liechtenstein versus Slovakia, <laughs> Eric? I guess. I know, I know very little about soccer. But interestingly enough, we've had World Series here, games here. We've had the All-Star game here, and they projected to make a generate a lot of money. Whatever happens to all that money that comes in? Do taxpayers actually see that money? The other issue in all of this is what, what does, what is, this is going to be played at Arrowhead Stadium and that has to be changed in order to bring the World Cup here in 2026 where those games are going to be played. Is this going to jumpstart, Michael Mahoney, this conversation about the stadiums again, that they were going to want to put this on the ballot, any changes they want to make at Arrowhead Stadium is going to require taxpayer support and, and that will be part of that deal to move the downtown ballpark for the Royals as I don't, well. I don't think it's going to jumpstart it at all because I think that discussion is well underway already. This is not the excuse. Now no, for making no, all those improvements? Uh, no, no. What, what they will need to do at Arrowhead is uh, the field at Arrowhead is too narrow for a World Cup qualifying soccer pitch. Uh, and so they're going to have to take out seats in the corners at, at the lower end to accommodate uh, the width of a, uh, of a world-class field. They'll also make some other addition uh, changes at Arrowhead. For instance, we were talking earlier, they may put they may 
put a, a soccer pitch, a grass field on top of the existing Arrowhead gra uh, grass field and uh, then remove it as soon as the tournament's over for the upcoming uh, uh, Chiefs season in, in 26. Uh, there will be a whole set of renovations that go out under there and it will be part of the discussion that if we're doing this for Arrowhead for the World Cup, what are we doing for uh, for downtown baseball? And if we're, if we're doing this for downtown baseball, what are we doing for Arrowhead? Okay. You, you don't see this as, as being brought up now on the ballot, that the only way that we can really make this happen at Arrowhead is if taxpayers put their... Uh, you mean for the soccer uh, games, uh, Nick? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, uh, no, I think that uh, the bid will certainly uh, include some mechanism for paying for the improvements that are needed. I don't think the FIFA people would have agreed to come to Kansas City unless they had a rock-solid guarantee that the improvements Mike just talked about are actually going to happen. But there is a broader context to all of this. What happens to Arrowhead? Yeah. What happens to Kauffman Stadium? What about parking for the World Cup? I mean, is that are we going to have a congestion problem? Will there be mass transit available to get some of these fans to those games? Those questions have been answered partially, but will be refined in the next two years. I think another thing to consider when you host an event of this scale is not just the economic impact, but what Kansas City will look like in that moment with thousands of extra people. We will have not just Kansas City police increased security, security on a, on a national and statewide level. And, and I also have to think about the human rights issues that come with that and, and whether there will be mass homeless sweeps. I mean, this, it will transform this city in many ways in the years leading up to it and then especially in that time frame. Michael, a couple of things. Uh, Mayor Lucas told me uh, the, the morning before the announcement was made that they are going to spend between five and ten million dollars on transit, which is relatively a, a small amount of money when you think about it. But transit specifically designed to take the soccer fans that come into town from all the hotels and all all the major hotels. I'm sure will be involved in this and get them to the sports complex for uh, or for those games and then get get them back. Um, I don't, I don't envision a lot of car rentals, to be honest with you. I think these the soccer fans are going to come in by okay. in bulk. Okay. And then the other thing is on security, to Lisa's uh, observations there, a lot of this in an event like this is going to be paid for by the feds, but the locals will have to pick up the overtime for the cops and, uh, and others. Okay, final word on this, it's Dave. It's very comparable to the Republican National Convention, which came to Kansas City in 1976, not in terms of economic impact, but in terms of what, how the city saw itself. And that was quite a time in Kansas City in the mid-70s. You had the opening of the Truman Sports Complex, Kemper Arena, some improvements in other parts of the community. That lasted for a while, but it doesn't last forever, Nick. And while we can all get excited about this announcement, there are fundamental issues still facing Kansas City, and we can't ignore those or forget them over the next two years. And the uh, Republican National Convention in Kansas City didn't have to also put up with English soccer flan <laughs> fans in public drunkenness on the streets, which we might have in Kansas City if they're here. Lots of other stories happening in Kansas City this week, even though that was a huge announcement. This week, more than a half a dozen local school districts from Blue Springs to Lee Summit canceled their summer programs after a mass shooting threat. Area districts are already feeling vulnerable just three weeks after a lone gunman killed 19 students and two teachers in a Texas elementary school. Everyone spoke out then to decry the violence from the mayor of Kansas City to our U.S. senators on both sides of the state line. But Three weeks on, did the violence in Uvalde, Texas, change any policy, Lisa, any law here in Kansas City or across Kansas or Missouri? Nope. <laughs> uh, I mean, Missouri and Kansas have both staked their positions very firmly 
on on gun control and, and state legislatures are firm in that and that they are opposed as long as we are dominated by GOP majorities they're opposed to any type of gun reform and in fact in Missouri they you know th we saw in the past year the passage of the Second Amendment Preservation Act which would prevent uh, Missouri law enforcement from enforcing federal gun laws so we haven't seen much change and there's really not much that local officials can do on that there was also, though, we do have a, a compromise potentially in the United States Senate that has surprised some people. Ten uh, Republican senators have hopped on board, at least right now, on that. One of them from our area, which was Roy Blunt, the Missouri Republican, uh, Dave Helling. But he's the only one who is actually uh, not running for re-election. He's retiring at the end of the year. Is that why he had the courage that to do that a, and no one else did? That played a huge role in it. He doesn't have to face voters now. The compromise package, Nick, includes some mental health funding, which he has worked on for a decade, really since Sandy Hook. And I think that's why he joined into this package, along with Debbie Stabenow and some other uh, senators. But it has other parts, too, including a red flag law uh, incentives for states, uh, some restrictions on purchases of guns. Uh, uh, certain weapons by those under the age of 21, new restrictions on that. And there are other parts of that that are very controversial and have made it difficult for Blunt. And in fact, some state lawmakers have written him a letter saying, hey, back off of this bill. So far, he's shown no signs of doing so. Because, as, as Dave mentioned, uh, the mental health component of um, making changes in the gun culture in the United States has been something Roy Blunt's been working on for 10 years. He's not a Johnny-come-lately to this. And uh, this weekend is a pivotal point in this, in the fact that the negotiations are underway and uh, the, some of the senators on Capitol Hill are saying, you know, the, the disagreements we have here are wrinkles at this point and not major uh, assembly blocks. Look for the Blunt role to, uh, to play out and for this bill bill in the Senate to roll out over this coming week, because at the end of this week, uh, the Congress is going on break speed, for a while. Speed is yeah. essential, Nick. And, if they and, don't and do de this deadlines, now, deadlines if you matter, wait right? until after the 4th of July, here comes August, then the momentum goes away, everybody forgets the speed of this is essential. But even if it does pass, uh, will our local states actually enforce those laws? And I was thinking, Eric, you know, Missouri has the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which we talked about right. uh, on this program in the fall, telling local uh, law enforcement agencies they can't enforce new federal gun laws. Uh, so would they just say no to this too? They probably would, because uh, the legislation is that if they do get involved in it, those municipalities get uh, a hefty fine for doing so. So I would look for them to stay out of it. But it's just mind-boggling, as Dave said, he's getting it done now, because after this, if they don't get it done now, it heads into primary season, then it becomes a political issue. And I don't know why kids getting killed in schools would be a political issue more so than a moral issue. Michael. The Missouri Second Amendment Act is, is still under review in the courts, okay, and, and, and we need to re remember that. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. The interesting thing about this is that there are lots of folks, there are some folks in law enforcement in Missouri that are pushing back on this and saying this idea of restricting us from engaging with the feds on a variety of different levels is a bad idea. We'd like to partner with them. We'd like to use their technology. We think that, we, uh, that they bring a lot to the table uh, to us. So there are people in law enforcement that say the Second Amendment Preservation Act is a bad idea. 
While we were still raising money in our summer membership drive, Mark Bedell surprised many by announcing he's leaving. Did you see that coming? After six years on the job, he has been the longest-serving Kansas City, Missouri school superintendent in 50 years. I don't want anybody to feel sad or to feel down to have a superintendent in a district like Kansas City Public Schools for six years. That is a blessing. A blessing, Eric, because uh, the average tenure has been less than two years in modern memory. But did you see this coming? Three years and two months, to be exact, for urban uh, school districts. It was, it was, I was surprised that it came at that time, but knowing what he's had on his plate for a while, he had the kid that got killed in a stabbing at the school, at Central High School, there was a shooting during a uh, graduation ceremony and a, somebody got killed there, uh, the issue at, at Lincoln College Prep where the students walked out, and then he had another personal family issue that take place. Uh, I wasn't surprised after I really talked to him about what was going on. I probably would have left after the first incident. Lisa, why now and where is he going? He is heading to Maryland where he was once uh, a resident there. And I, I think why now, I, I don't know if I have exactly the answer to that, but he, he has accomplished a lot of the major promises that he set out to do, the main one being uh, helping the school district finally reach full accreditation, which happened just a few months ago. And so I think this, this move um, to a different type of district, not an urban district like Kansas City, Missouri is, uh, some rural and, and suburban district there, is a change of pace. And I think Eric's exactly right in saying there are a lot of major issues that were weighing on him that he couldn't fix. Violence and these tragic incidents with students being one of them. Um, he's, he's been fighting city officials on uh, what he calls uneven economic uh, development uh, policies. Um, housing is a major issue. And these are things that I don't think any superintendent can be expected to solve. He is an ambitious guy. And in his press conference, Michael, he even mentioned he, know, he wouldn't mind being called and named to be the U.S. Education Secretary. You know, when, uh, when I learned that he was going to Maryland and then uh, that uh, he was interested in, in a job like that, well, I went, okay, good for him. I agree with Lisa. I think that the fact that he restored full accreditation to the Kansas City, Missouri School District after such a long, contorted struggle, uh, uh, he can rightfully stand behind a banner that says mission accomplished and, and move on from that. And then the other thing, to, uh, to Eric's point, uh, point the school superintendency business um, is not unlike coaches in sports. They change a lot. And uh, when you look at the industry of school superintendents and administrators, there's a lot of information for the men and women that are in this to go, you need to recognize when you're losing the, uh, the support of the board. You need to have your own investment uh, uh, plan. You need to know when you need to move. People staying for years in a job like that or decades are very rare. How big a deal is this today, though, Dave? It used to be, of course, the Kansas City, Missouri School District was the largest school district oh, in our entire yeah. metro. We followed and scrutinized every single decision. Now it's not even in the top five. I think they're now down to number eight largest school district right. today after Blue Springs. Right. In fact, that was the point I was going to make is the other problem facing Dr. Bedell was this need to consolidate the district and how messy and argumentative and difficult that's going to be. There are some scenarios, Nick, in which high schools would close in the Kansas City District and leave the Kansas City District without a high school south of about 39th Street. That, you know, Central would be the farthest south high school of all the high schools in the district. That is a district on the, uh, shrinking. 
And I think he understood, Dr. Bedell, and his replacement will have to understand that making the right sizing that in terms of staff and buildings and overhead is going to be an enormously important but difficult task. And, and, and Lisa brought up a good point, too, that I, I meant it. Housing. They have a term that's called couch surfing in the urban core because children, they might be with this uncle or this relative or that relative. And I think it was very frustrating for him as well as other administrators that Kansas City's uh, city government can't get the housing situation together. You know, they got people in there that have no idea what to do about housing or anything like that. And I think that something... Uh, with the homeless situation there, it was very frustrating for him as well because it changed his numbers. And you have this issue now where you have to start downsizing again because kids are moving yes. around so and much. And so. there will be some school closings, and that will be a big yes. painful decision he's not going to have to make. Did Kansas Governor Laura Kelly just receive the biggest gift of her entire political career? I'm not talking about landing that $4 billion mystery company. In fact, we still don't have an answer to that yet. No, it's that outspoken conservative state lawmaker Dennis Pyle has jumped into the governor's race as an independent candidate. When Greg Orman ran as an independent against Kelly and Chris Kobach in 2018, it was claimed he would take votes from both candidates. Well, Dennis Pyle, who feels Republicans in Topeka have gone far enough on issues like abortion and voter fraud, only take away votes from Republican Derek Schmidt? Yes. Um, there aren't going to be many people that uh, go uh, Dennis Pyle to Laura Kelly. But there may be some Republicans that, uh, that go from Derek Schmidt to Dennis, uh, Dennis Pyle. The question is, would it be a big enough cluster of votes to matter? Uh, the Derek Schmidt campaign feels pretty confident about where they're at. The Republicans in Kansas, I just spoke with them at the fine debate you hosted this, this past week, are very confident. They think they're going to have a great year. But do you think that Laura Kelly was breaking open the champagne at Cedar Crest, the governor's mansion, when that announcement came out that that is going to split his vote? Well, I don't know if she drank champagne. We'll have to ask her <laughs> next time we see her. But I do think that it's always a complicated question, Nick, because Mike is right. The votes will go from Derek Schmidt to Dennis Pyle, but those are votes that are not going all the way to Laura Kelly. And uh, there may be people who are not comfortable with the Republican nominee who might have considered the Democrat. Now they have another alternative. That may lessen the impact. I think at the end it won't matter that much, just as Greg Orman really didn't matter that much the last time when uh, Laura so Kelly So she's still in trouble? Office. I think she, uh, because her party is in trouble, yes. The answer is yes. The Democrats are in trouble in every state in America. Very quickly, Michael. Very quickly. The, one of the big problems that Kansas Democrats have is a limited pool of voters, Democrats and some independents. And when you can't expand beyond that, you're not going to win many races. Now, speaking of Kansas politics, this week Kansas City PBS traveled to the Doubletree Hotel in Overland Park as we joined with the Johnson County Bar Association for the Kansas Attorney General debate. We've seen him lead in the polls before, Mr. Kovach, and then he loses on Election Day. And as conservative Republicans, we cannot afford to make that mistake again. And yet we are to take election advice from somebody who has only won an election in a tiny district in Johnson County, and they think that qualifies them to run statewide. Look, my decisions as attorney general are not going to be made based on what gets me on Rush Limbaugh or what gets me on Fox News. We broadcast that debate Wednesday night, but if you missed it, head over to the Kansas City PBS YouTube channel where you can watch every moment. While you're there, you can also watch every single episode of every local program we produce around here, including Week in Review. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every big story making the headlines. What was the big local story we missed?
Was it thousands left without power after a dangerous heat wave strains our electric system? Still looking for answers on the Country Club Plaza, Kansas City says no to demolishing this church to erect a 12-story retail and dining mecca, but still no word on what will fill the Nordstrom spot. Is the Steamboat Arabia ready to sail out of town? Museum officials moving full steam ahead on plans to relocate to suburban St. Louis. It's a week that sees Kansas City show its pride. And after 30 years on the air, Gary Lezak announces he's retiring. It's a week we also say goodbye to the hearts. They're picked up and auctioned off this week. More area cities, including Johnson County, giving workers a three-day weekend as Kansas City marks Juneteenth. And you'll be able to watch the World Cup on TV for free, but good luck finding sporting Kansas City games. You're going to have to pay for the privilege. All matches next season will be exclusive to Apple TV subscribers only. All righty, Lisa Rodriguez, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different this week? I picked something that I think none of us can avoid right now, which is gas prices and inflation <laughs> in Kansas City. I think generally in Kansas and Missouri, we can expect that we won't see hikes quite as big as on the coast, but paying nearly $5 a gallon for gas is just painful. Even egg prices seem to have doubled in Everything. the last uh, week or so. Eric Wesson, what did you put down? I put something different, too. On Saturday, we were have a memorial service for Dwayne Crompton. And Dwayne Crompton was the head of KCMC uh, Child Development Corporation, Head Start, and Freedom School. And he had a tremendous impact on lives and people in the urban core. I will say he was also criticized for being the highest paid Head Start employee in the entire nation. I remember at the time that wasn't in the obituary. That doesn't take away from all of the good work that he did. Michael Absolutely. Mahoney. I think Gary Lisak's announcement of his retirement, there's a special bond between the people that are on this side of the camera and those of you that are out there. And Lisak, especially the weatherman, he had a great sense of humor, dogs, the whole nine, nine yards. Uh, you know, he's a fixture in Kansas City. Uh, he's a good friend of my buddy, uh, Brian Busby. I wish him the best. Thank you very much, Dave. Yeah, between Lezak quitting and Mahoney, the whole TV uh, situation in Kansas City is sucking in on itself like, a, <laughs> like the end of the universe. No, uh, uh, on a serious note, as they say, uh, Kansas City is trying once again to enter talks with Jackson County about participating in the new jail complex over at the Mobile Home Village. Kansas City needs jail space. It's shipping all of its prisoners now to two counties in rural areas. It's expensive and complicated for those families. Those talks are, are going on. And here. some of our viewers said the biggest story we missed is that we were back in person. Didn't that feel good? <laughs> yes, yeah. it did. All righty. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed thanks to KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney, always on call at the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson, and from your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.